After recording over 80 podcast episodes, it's pretty safe to say that I've covered a few controversial topics throughout the course of this show. However, I'm not sure any episode will quite reach the level of controversy of this one, because in this episode, I'm going to say some unflattering things about Disney. Hey everyone, my name is Ray Burns, and I want to equip Christians to think biblically about every area of life so that they can keep growing in spiritual maturity. And in this episode, I want us to think essentially about what TV and movies are teaching us, but more specifically what they are teaching our children. Now, this topic is something that's actually been on my mind for a while. Um, I got sick with COVID back in mid-January, and uh, it's been you know just one of those long recoveries like you read about. Uh, I've been hit with a few viruses since then, so it's there's been a, a decent amount, I would say, of kind of laying around, hanging out with the kids, and as a result, we've been watching some Disney movies. Now, the most recent one that we've been enjoying a lot of, because I have a three-year-old, and you know how they only watch one movie over and over again, but we've been watching Encanto. Now, I'm not here to talk about Bruno, but I have noticed a trend, even in the most recent Disney release, that I wrote about over two years ago in my article about this same topic. And that is that when it comes to Disney, or really any kid's uh, media, but I'm just going to be saying Disney's to uh, talk about one specific thing, but within them, there is this trend that we are always seeing, and maybe always will see, And that is that when it comes to parents or parental authorities, either they are absolute idiots, they are completely out of touch with reality, or they're dead. Now, let me just give a few examples here. In the movie Frozen, the parents tell uh, one of the main characters, Elsa, to conceal her true self and to live in fear and to set herself off from the rest of the world because she can't reveal who she truly is. Now, eventually the parents die and over time she gets empowered through the song, let it go and starts embracing her true self, despite what her parents taught her to do otherwise. In the movie Moana, the chief is the main character's father and basically their Island is in danger and they are all going to die but the chief is afraid to explore and go out and search other islands and so he is going to let his people sit there and die but brave moana defies what her father says sneaks out goes on an adventure rescues all her people and in the end her father has to admit that she was right all along the movie tangled about rapunzel uh mother gothel talks about how the world is a scary place. She is ridiculously controlling, never lets her daughter go out to do anything, lies to her, manipulates her, and even has a song called Mother Knows Best sung by the movie's villain, which is her maternal figure. Uh, Let's go old school with Pocahontas. So Chief Powhatan wants to go to war with the English, but Pocahontas and her forbidden love save the day and spare everyone. And again, dad has to admit she was right all along. And last one, Cinderella, classic Cinderella. Her, there's loving parents in this movie, of course, but you know, they're dead. Instead, we have an authority, a mother authority, and her wicked stepmother, remember that's her name, the wicked stepmother, uh, who is basically a monster 
to Cinderella and she spoils her favorite children. So Cinderella is left feeling like an outcast and unloved by her parent figure. Now, this is just a typical formula in kids' movies. You have a hero who is often young or younger. You have parents or some kind of authority in the movie, but they are, as I said, either dead or complete buffoons. Uh, But these authorities are somehow holding back or oppressing or hurting the main character. And the road to redemption, the road to saving the day, is through some form of defiance, of doing what they know to be true, of following their heart. And in the end, we realize that the authority was wrong all along, and either they will admit that they were wrong, or they will kind of get what's coming to them. And this type of storytelling and movie making is really effective. And there's a reason that it's so effective, and that is because our kids who are watching this feel the exact same way. They they see that authorities are oppressive. They see that they don't let them be who they truly are. They don't let them follow their dreams and do what they want. And so movies like what Disney produces or even TV shows like what is produced for kids lets our kids live out a fantasy where they are able to follow along a character who goes beyond their circumstances and is able to essentially live out the life that kids wish they could live out on their own. Now, before we get more specific and dive deeper into why this is effective, I do think it's wise to pause and make one thing very, very, very clear. And that is that I don't think Disney or other kids media producers are evil or any more evil than I think anything else in the world is. You know, there's this trend, I think, especially in Christianity, to treat Disney as this, you know, tool of the devil out to, you know, swallow up our kids and and undermine parents and destroy the family unit. And basically, they think of Disney like a Disney villain, I guess. And I want to be clear that I'm not saying that that I think they have some kind of, you know, deep, hidden, secret plot that they're trying to live out and manipulate our kids into. Ultimately, I'm going to make an argument that despite anything negative I'm going to say in this episode, Disney is ultimately just a business. And they are, like every business, in the habit of trying to make money. So they're going to create what sells. They're going to know their target audience, create a product for that audience, and reap in as much money as is humanly possible. Because as we see in any industry anywhere, that is just what happens when human beings are running a business. They're trying to make money with it. And so ultimately, all the stuff that we're going to talk about is not this deep insidious plot by Disney. I don't want it to come across that way. Because as I'll, as I'll talk about later, we still watch Disney in my house with you know a, a bit of a warning there. But again, not evil, not wicked, just humans doing what humans do. So understanding that, why is it that Disney is able to be so successful or why ultimately is this their product? Why is it that they sit down, they have a near infinite amount of options for creating stories, creating characters. Why does it always default to essentially destroying the family unit, killing the parents or setting the parents against the child? Why is this kind of their go-to thing? Well, ultimately, what Disney is selling is, you know, fun and adventure and cool animations and things like that, but they also sell escapism. In other words, they allow their 
viewers, their target audience, to escape reality and to get invested into this world and to somehow live out the adventure alongside these characters and often live out things that they feel or things that they resonate with. Now, in a broad sense, what escapism is in any situation, I mean, I'm talking... Uh, you know, as parents, when we, you know, get zoned out to Netflix or on our phones or hobbies or exercise, you know, when we want to just escape or when we get so swept up in something because it allows us to either live out something we want or just to ignore our current circumstances. What we often want to do, especially with media, is that it allows us to, one, uh, well, like I said, leave our current circumstances. Two, cheer for a relatable hero, you know, someone who we like, someone that we understand their situations, we are sympathetic to them. Uh, sometimes it'll maybe even be someone who, you know, we feel like we are in their shoes. So if we have a show or a movie about someone who's stuck in a dead end job and they somehow are able to, you know, rise up or rebel against that or, you know, whatever, you know, people who feel like they are stuck in a dead end job are going to resonate with that character and cheer for that character because that character represents them. That character shows their own struggles and validates the things that they've been feeling. Um, and ultimately, we like to see our problems conquered. So whatever it is that we're watching a movie to escape for, we want to see the problems in the world, the problems in our lives. We want to see some victory over those things, even if it's in a world of make-believe. So the classic example is that we love to watch good versus evil, and we love to watch good triumph. We love to see you know, the evil rulers taken down or the greedy corporations lose some kind of battle. You know, we love to see good triumph and we love to see these villains get what's coming to them. And in a broad sense, that's what escapism offers us. And so when it comes to Disney, they are providing their own form of escapism for their target audience. Because remember, their target audience isn't stuck in a dead end job, a difficult marriage, feeling like they're you know trapped in poverty or things like that. Instead, they're appealing to kids. And so what are the things that kids are experiencing that they want to escape from or that they want to see their, their heroes on screen relate to them through? Well, one thing that kids get to escape through is that they get to live out through this character or through this movie, they get to live out resentment and frustration that they feel towards their own parents. So when their character is standing up to their parent, they cheer for them because they wish they could do that too. It, it validates how they've been feeling when they see, especially it all work out in the end and realize that the kid was right all along, then that validates this dream that they have of knowing that they are right, but their parent just doesn't let them be who they are. Um, it also sets parents against kids in a way in that, you know, as parents, you know, we have a goal that our kids hate. And that is that we are teaching kids to recognize and reject their sinful desires. And so some ways we do that that we know our kids hate is one thing is that we are teaching them to give up their desire to just do whatever they want. We're trying to, to teach them self-control even though they want to totally give up self-control in their lives. So whether it's eating more candy than is healthy, whether it's playing video games beyond what is reasonable, whether it's being on their phones or the things they do on their phones, they want to just release all self-control, but we mean parents stand in the way of that. We also stop them from being around bad influences. So maybe we will have them, you know, not spend as much time around a certain friend or not be alone with that friend. Maybe it's the media and we don't want them watching certain things or listening to certain things because of the messages that are being broadcast through those. And so even though our kids really want it, 
the mean parents say no. Uh, you know, kids are generally selfish, just in, I mean, and who isn't really, but as adults, we've at least got it mastered to where we hide our selfishness and make it look more socially acceptable. But kids are very brash and open about their selfishness. And as parents, we try to get them past that and we don't allow them to indulge in that selfishness, which means ultimately that we don't let them be who they truly are. Likewise, our kids wanna hurt people, whether that's actually physically hurting people, whether it's being mean and taking things, being dominating, uh, you know, making fun of others, whatever it is, they feel in their hearts that they want to do these things, but we keep telling them, no, we stop them. And maybe they even get in trouble with us when they give in to those desires. Uh, they want to, in general, just abandon all responsibilities and live for themselves. So, you know, they want to sit and watch or play video games or whatever, but, you know, mom says take out the trash, dad says do the dishes, it's time to eat, it's time to do something else. You know, they have these jobs or these responsibilities in their life, whether it's homework, whether it's uh, helping the, the house function, whatever it is, they don't want to do those things. They are perfectly content to just sit and just indulge in their desires for entertainment or relaxation. And I mean, we even see this people growing up, you know, there's, there's adults out there who are still just living with their parents or barely, you know, they're living on their own, but barely doing enough to get by just so that they can spend the bulk of their time loving themselves. And we see that, you know, kids played out and parents trying to get them past it, no matter how frustrated it makes their children. Um, and then as kids get older, or hopefully older, hopefully this isn't an issue at six years old, but, you know, dating or finding a spouse or however a family wants to handle it. You know, maybe a family doesn't do dating at all. Maybe they do courtship, maybe they do something else, but they don't just do, you know, the whole boyfriend-girlfriend thing. Or if they do, the parents may have some say on who their son or daughter is allowed to date. And so even though the child just feels so such love or such affection for this other person, you know, mom and dad, they say they're bad, they're bad influence, they're dangerous, they're not good for them, they don't like them. And so it's this forbidden love thing that goes, I mean, how far back in history? But throughout all of history, we see these stories and we see these even realities of these forbidden loves and the results of them. And, you know, kids don't want to be told no. They want to follow their heart and have that, that human being, that person for their own as their boyfriend or girlfriend. And so that are, those are just, you know, some of the things that our kids are experiencing and struggling through and feeling. And so they want to escape from those things. They want to see that they are right. They want someone to tell them that their desires are good, that they can see their parents or their authorities proven wrong. And so what do Disney heroes do? for our kids. They let them, they live out that resentment for our kids. Our kids can live out vicariously through these Disney heroes. So whenever they reject their parents, our kids can cheer for them and just fantasize about what it would be like to reject their own parents, go out on adventure, prove their parents wrong and be the hero of their own story. They, the Disney heroes get to have adventure, but only because they are being rebellious to do so. They are setting out to do what's right in the face of everyone telling them no and, you know, having to maybe even sneak behind mom and dad in order to do it. Uh, at the end of the stories, the parent is either the villain, like with, say, Mother Gothel, or 
they have to admit they are wrong in the end. They have to admit that they were too controlling over the child and they should have let them be free to do what they wanted. They were wrong about love. I mean, you think of the Little Mermaid and this forbidden love of human and mermaid and how, you know, dad had to admit he was wrong about that. Um, or parents have to admit that their beliefs are outdated and these things that they were trying to hold their children to, these standards, this way of living was fine for the parent, but it's it's old, it's outdated. It Things don't work that way anymore. And a parent has to sit and say, wow, I was wrong all along. I should have just embraced this new way of thinking or living. And on top of that, the kids get to see that they were right all along. And that just like our hero in the movie was right all along, it confirms that our children, despite their parents telling them no, just like the parent on screen, just like parents trying to keep their kids away from something dangerous, just like the parent on screen, the kids get to live out this reality that despite all of this, they can be right in the end and everything can go how they want. And it gives them this ultimate dream of being right all along and that their feelings, their emotions, their desires, who they feel like they truly are was always the correct thing. And what this all does ultimately is it plays to our kids' prideful hearts because it doesn't challenge them to change or to think differently or to be wrong, but instead it bolsters them in feeling like they are right, that mom and dad are outdated, they are wrong, they're too controlling, they're out of touch. And this is the product that Disney is producing. This is why our kids love it so much is because it allows them to escape from their world where they have to listen. They have to obey. They are controlled and held down and told no. And they get to escape into a world where the hero is just like them. They're, they're told no. They're told they're wrong. They're, they're too immature to understand things. But in this fantasy world, that's not how things have to stay. The kids can be right in everything that they think they're right about. And Disney, like I said, just creates a product that their viewers love. And that's why it's so successful, is that it just plays to who their target audience is. Now, all that being said, let's talk about why this can be so dangerous or disastrous. And I want to say, again, you know, a Disney movie, it's not going to ruin your child on its own. Watching The Little Mermaid one time, or Encanto, or Frozen, it's not just going to ruin your child. It might ruin your day when they keep wanting to listen to the songs from it, but that's a totally separate thing. You know, because really, I mean, what are Disney movies at their heart? You know, what is it the kids are there for? What is it that they kind of walk away with? Well, there's a lot of fun action and a lot of funny moments. Maybe there's a really emotional or heart-touching moment that resonates with people. And when it comes to, you know, Disney movies and just kids stuff in general, ultimately these are stories about friendship, about bravery, and about self-actualization. Now, maybe that's a bit more secular and that's not something we always want to embrace as followers of Jesus Christ as we're training our children, but... A Disney movie is not going to teach their kids or our kids to just murder us in our sleep because we told them they can't have candy before bed. And in the end, kids are not taught outright to rebel, right? That's not the overall message. It's just a, a device that Disney uses to carry the story forward. It gives a very familiar villain that kids can root against and it gives a hero that kids can relate to and therefore that they can root for. So... Disney movies are not setting out to teach our kids to hate their parents. 
But that doesn't mean that they're good or safe or healthy for our kids without some boundaries. And that's because even if it's not teaching our kids outright to rebel and reject their parents' authority, it is still developing a worldview. And our kids are seeing this in much more than just Disney. Disney is really just reinforcing something that media and their hearts and the world is constantly telling them. And that is, I mean, you think of any kid's show that, you know, we watched growing up with, you know, I think of, you know, Boy Meets World and things like that, uh, or commercials that we see on TV, whether it's specifically aimed at kids or even just any commercial in general. What are the things that we are seeing? Parents or husbands or wives are idiots and they don't understand their children or they don't understand their spouse. Uh, the dad is often absent or out of touch, or he's just a moron. You know, maybe he's lazy and he just sits on the couch and just tries to boss people around, but is basically just a worthless sack on his own. Uh, the mom is often an airhead. She is just too busy to focus on her family or her kids or to pay attention, or she's a control freak. Now that is, I mean, anywhere that kids are getting media, that is often what they are seeing, whether it's from commercials, whether it's how their friends talk, what people on YouTube are kind of encouraging them to think about. It's everywhere. It is a common thought train that people follow because it's just this cycle that is created. The media creates this content for kids that is anti-authority. The kids love it and want more anti-authority stuff. And so then more keeps getting created and it just keeps confirming what kids are already thinking or how they are feeling. So instead of pulling them out of childish thinking, it's letting them dig down in and confirming what they believe. Now, when we're thinking about this in terms of the worldview that's being created for our child, in other words, how they are viewing all of life, all of reality, and as they grow into adults, how they are thinking about their parents or about authorities in general. Let's consider the wisdom that we get from Proverbs 22.6, something that a lot of parents are probably familiar with. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I've talked about this in the past, but when this wisdom is being applied to our lives. We can't just say, oh, well, I took my child to Sunday school every single week while they were kids. I don't understand why they aren't still following God. God is apparently a liar. And what this is not saying is that if you do something once a week that your kid's just gonna be a, a faithful follower of Jesus Christ when they're adults. Instead, what it's basically pointing to is the reality that kids are like a ball and that you know, a ball goes in the direction that it's pushed. It follows the path set for it. And so when it comes to raising our kids, when it comes to developing their worldview, it's about much more than just what we do once a week, or maybe what we do, you know, when we pray or do family devotions during dinner time and things like that. It's about much more than just individual instances, but instead what every moment of their lives, everything they're taking in is truth, what those things are developing in them and the direction that it's pushing them because the direction that they are pushed from all their influences in life, that's the direction they will go because all people, all they do is ultimately just follow their worldview. They follow what they think is true and live according to how they think the world operates. And so when it comes to kids, they are getting their worldview from patterns that they recognize. So just think of a couple of examples outside of Disney. So think about how in our media, women are very regularly sexualized. What that teaches our kids is when they're constantly seeing, you know, 
people in kids shows, in commercials, whatever. And they are, you know, dressing, you know, provocatively. They, you have 14 year olds played by 18 or 20 year olds and, you know, makeup and things like that. And everyone's looking perfect. What that's teaching boys and girls is that looks are critical and that you should strive to look older than you are. And it also creates impossible standards for, you know, guys looking at women. I mean, they think that their wife has to meet this certain standard and girls think that they have to meet a certain standard in order to just be normal, to be a regular character in a TV show. And when they don't, when they, you know, their, their figure isn't perfect, when their makeup's not great, when their features aren't symmetrical, or when they are just looking in the mirror and just seeing what we understand as an average person, they are seeing someone hideous because every influence they have is telling them otherwise. Uh, we see this also with holidays. So, you know, Christmas and birthdays and things like that, you know, kids are constantly told, you know, it's all about the gifts. You need this toy to be happy. You need this device in your life in order to be connected and to keep up with the rest of the world. And so when it comes to these holidays, kids are swept up in thinking, I have to have this. Why? Because their worldview has been crafted in such a way that every year they're looking for the new hotness, the new big thing. And every time they are just being told, hey, when it's your birthday, when it's Christmas, you know, during these big events, you should expect and even demand to have your needs and desires met. Because that's how you know that people love you and care about you is if they get you this thing that we're telling you you need. Now then, understanding kind of that and how, you know, our lives and our thoughts is, you know, from childhood on is being crafted by the world around us. Think about what the entertainment is confirming for our kids. Parents don't get it. They're suppressing the child's true self. Their heart desires are good and should be followed. They've are told that if they believe they're right, they should act on it, that they should ignore the experience and wisdom of authorities who are trying to protect them. Uh, you know, kids are told that they hold all the power to change their circumstances. And kids are the ones who see the world for what it truly is, and they're not stuck in outdated beliefs or fear or ignorance. It's the kids who are truly free and see what the truth is. And so if they just follow their heart, everything will work out and that they should follow their heart no matter what stands in their way, no matter what other people are saying to them. That is the worldview being crafted by our kids. Again, not just from an individual Disney movie, but all the media that they take in is always reinforcing that fact because that is what kids want. They want to be supported in how they already feel, not challenged to grow and develop and mature in their thinking and understanding. So. As parents, then, if we are seeing this, if we are recognizing that our kids are being bombarded with these, these thoughts and these beliefs and being told to have a certain worldview, then how do we respond? Well, we have two options, but before we talk about them, I just want to remind us of what our responsibilities are, not just to our kids, but to God. So we know that as parents, uh, Ephesians 6.4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So as we're making decisions for our kids, the, the first thing we want to really focus on is that these aren't our kids. They are God's kids given to us to care for and to honor him and how we're raising them. So we don't want to just bring them up and try to survive them, but instead we want to raise them up under God to honor him and to obey and follow in what pleases God, not just what the world says is the newest parenting trend. Uh, we also know that we are disciplers of our children. They are our disciples, not just 
as our kids, but as human beings under our care and authority, we have a responsibility to train them well. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7 reminds us, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, as Christians, that that is, you know, as, as a dad, as a mom, that is our call for how we are to be. We are to love God with all that we have. And then from there, once that is where our hearts are, and once we are understanding that, it goes on. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. Now, if you read that and especially read verse seven, there's not a lot of time that we are not called to be talking about God to our children and to be thinking about his word in our own lives. It is to be a constant presence in how we think and act and also in how we are teaching our children. And that's not just, well, here's the Ten Commandments, don't forget them, but equipping them with a biblical worldview. And that comes not from just Sunday mornings at church or around the dinner table, but in all our interactions with them and all the things that we are talking to them about and telling them is good and the things that we are allowing into their lives. All of these are things that should be pointing them to God. And then the last thing is understanding, you know, we have a responsibility to our kids as their parents. We have a responsibility to our kids as training them and making them our disciples. But we also have a responsibility because we see the danger in what kids are being told is good and true in the world. And we want to pull them out of that. So Colossians 2.8 reminds us, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So our kids right now are being taken in by the deception of the world, by a world that hates God and defies his authority. And through that, they defy the authority of the parent over their child. They defy the authority of just authorities in general, whether it's the government, whether it's law enforcement, things like that, they are telling kids to defy authority, to follow their hearts above all else, because that is where truth lies. Our kids are being deceived. They are being lied to, and they are being told to develop a worldview that takes this lie and makes it truth, not just in their beliefs, but in their actions, in their desires. And as their parents, we see the danger in that, and we want to pull them away from that. We don't want them to be swept up by the world, but instead to have their thinking shaped by Jesus Christ. So understanding our responsibilities or kind of framing who we are as parents to our children, how do we respond to Disney or media in general that is, you know, creating stories and telling them to cheer for kids or teenagers who are rebelling against their parents, who are questioning them and who whose parents really are wrong. They are outdated. They are endangering people around them because they are not listening to the child. Uh, two options that I see. One is that we just hide our kids from all this media. And this ultimately is going to come down to convictions because there are parents out there who will feel like they don't want to expose their child to that because their child is not ready to to sift through that, to understand it, and to reject the bad parts of that. And that's fine. You know, it, as parents, we need to make sure that we are following the convictions that God has given us. But rather than just, you know, have a knee-jerk reaction and say, oh, this is teaching my kids bad things, let's just get rid of it, do keep in mind that two things. One, your kids are still growing up with people who are being taught these things, who are embracing it into their worldview. And 
ultimately we cannot just protect our kids from every little negative influence and then hope that they'll come out of it okay because there's always going to be something that's challenging our authority that's teaching them to follow their hearts or just follow any kind of secular or anti-god way of thinking and so we can do our best now to protect them but like i've talked about in my parenting episode we're not just raising kids now we're raising kids who are going to become adults and so we want to ask if we can truly protect them from their friends who are being taught this stuff and then number two kind of building on that is that if we are completely hiding them from everything that the world is saying we may not be equipping them to think biblically we may be equipping them to live biblically because they have no choice but to live within the parameters that they've been given but we want to equip them to think biblically so that when their friends do talk to them about these things, when they do get older and start thinking for themselves and questioning authority or get out on their own and have to answer for why they believe what they believe, that they are already ready to do so. Because with the, you know, maybe 18 years they had under our roof, they were able to succeed in learning and even fail under the safety of their parents' protection because we can come alongside them and help them understand why what they thought was real wasn't true. So option one, like I said, we can just um, hide our kids from all Disney type media. But option two is that instead of just letting them, you know, go all in and just watch it and just hope for the best instead, let them watch it. But we talk to them about it. And that is what my family does when it comes to Disney and kids shows and things like that, is that my kids rarely just get to go and watch something and me have no idea what's going on or what they're being taught. Instead, I don't sit there and I don't monitor it, but I and my wife, we try to be engaged with what our kids are watching. And in order to help them think about what they're taking in and what's being taught, what we ultimately do, and this is what I would encourage parents to do who don't want to hide their kids from it, is just ask them questions that you would like them to ask about what they're watching. And the reason that I say it like that is that it's not just about sitting a kid down and saying, hey, that's wrong. Hey, that's wrong. Oh, that's kind of good. But hey, that's wrong. Because they aren't being equipped to think for themselves. They are just being told what is or isn't good. But they're not going to understand how we came to that conclusion or how they can come to a similar conclusion when it comes up and we're not sitting next to them to tell them about it. So instead, a way to handle it is to just ask your kids questions, have them answer it, and have just a dialogue with them that equips them to ask those same questions all on their own. So what are some questions that we can ask our kids about the media that they're watching? You know, maybe it's, you know, after a movie, after watching Finding Nemo or, you know, some Disney princess movie. What are some good guiding questions that we can ask that gets them to think about more than just, oh, hey, that was really cool, but instead the message being taught. Uh, a good question to ask is who is the villain in the story? And beyond that, not just who is the obvious, you know, mustache twirling villain, but who were the kind of bad people? Who are the people we aren't supposed to necessarily like or agree with? And oftentimes within those two questions, you're going to be pointing at a parent. Then ask why. What is it that made them so wrong? What did they do that was so evil? And then don't just ask why they were wrong, but why do you think the people who came up with the story had them behave that way? And younger kids may not get that. 
you know, and so obviously you need to frame this in a way that makes sense for your target audience. But older kids are going to be able to think and, and realize that what they experienced was crafted. It's something that was designed to be told in one way and not told in an infinite number of other ways. And so ask your kids, why did the writers, why did the people who made this story, why did they create the parents or the villain to do those things? And you can get into more whys as you, you know, as the opportunity comes up. But those are the things that I drive at is why was this crafted this way? Because when we start seeing the intentions behind things as adults and as we're equipping our kids, we're going to better understand what it is that we're seeing and how it's driving us towards something. And then from there, you can even ask them, okay, so what is this movie encouraging you to do? And that's going to help them see you know, what it is that they're relating to and resonating with and what it is that they are seeing as good or maybe something to take an example from. And then from there, ask, does it encourage you to obey God's word? And there's two different ways that we can take that. One is uh, Ephesians 6, 2 reminds us of a command in Exodus twenty twelve, which is honor your father and mother. And you know, that's not something that kids do when they feel like it or when they're following their heart, but instead, maybe especially when their heart doesn't want to honor their father and mother, when they don't want to obey, that's when we do it. And that is when we're obedient to God's word. So ask them, is that what this, the message, is that what you're being encouraged to do? And then more than that, if your child is a Christian and is, you know, called to follow Jesus Christ, then we can talk about even Philippians 2, 14 to 15, which says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So are kids being encouraged to honor their father and mother? Are they being encouraged to do so without grumbling, without complaining? Are they being told to shine as lights to a dark world? Or is this movie encouraging them to be just like every other kid and follow a crooked and twisted generation? And there may be some movies where the kids can get good things out of that. And that's great. You know, not every Disney movie we need to just beat down and say, oh, look at all the bad things in it. Because another question we can ask them is whether or not they see things they need to reject, which at this point they'll probably find something, but also can they find anything redeeming worth praising in the movie? Are there good messages that we as followers of Christ can agree with? Maybe not from the same worldview or position, but are there good things in there? You know, remember Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So ultimately, it's not wrong for us to find good things in what the world creates understanding that there is a a degree that we need to be on guard and these things need to be kept in their proper place, right? We don't want to say, oh, well, here is the biblical story that we find in Finding Nemo or Toy Story or something like that. But instead, we can say, you know, this is a story of good triumphing over evil. We know that that's right. This is a story of someone standing by their friend, even though everyone else rejected them. That's a good thing. You know, and we can we can bring the gospel into that or we can just let it stand on its own and say, you know what? It's good to stand by your friends. It's good not to give in to what other people say. It's good to be brave even when you're scared. I mean, those are praiseworthy things that a lot of movies are going to feature. 
But we want to make sure that even if we can find good in it, that we are ready and on guard against the bad so that we can reject them. And those are just some examples of questions that my family have had and things that um, as parents who are trying to guide their children and raise them well, that maybe you can ask or even think about yourself as you are sitting there and watching the same show for the 20th time or listening to songs over and over again and not just listening to it for the beat or for, you know, some cool words, but what is the message in all of this? What is being taught? What is being encouraged? So final thoughts here. Uh, Disney movies are made by sinners, just like all other media out there is made by sinners, ultimately. And sinners are going to appeal to what sinners love and are going to ultimately have no choice but to create things from an anti-God worldview. Not saying that they are making things that hate God, but if you are not a friend of God, you are a friend of the world and therefore an enemy of God. It's just a default position they're in. Their, their thinking is is clouded by sin. It is dominated by their sin nature. And so they're going to make things that are just in line with that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to hide from everything, but instead we need to equip ourselves and our children to respond to the world with a biblical worldview. Remember that Romans 12, 2 reminds us that the world wants to conform us to its way of thinking. It wants to mold us. It wants us to be in agreement with its sinful desires. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to have our minds transformed so that we can think and live in a way that is completely alien to the world. So as you're thinking through this stuff, I hope that this episode has equipped you and encouraged you and challenged you to start evaluating the things that you and your family take in. Make sure that you remind yourself to think about what's being taught or why the story is told in the way that it is. Remember to ask questions and encourage your kids to ask questions so that all of you can take in what's good, reject what's bad, and keep growing in spiritual maturity. Thank you for listening to this episode of Onward in the Faith. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and visit onwardinthefaith.com where you can read hundreds of articles about every area of the Christian life. If this ministry is a blessing to you, there are three ways that you can support it. You can pray for Ray and Onward in the Faith itself. You can share this episode with others, or you can help with various expenses by visiting patreon.com slash Onward in the Faith or following the link in the show notes. We hope this episode has encouraged you to keep moving onward in your faith towards maturity in Christ. 